Welcome to the Scholar's Attic, an audio archive of our tour through world history, specifically the modern age, from the French Revolution to current events of 2021. Welcome to the Attic. This episode was recorded on March 30th, 2021, and this is where I explain the propaganda project that comes at the end of modernity. And instead of doing it in connection with World War I or World War II, which is typically where a propaganda project would fall, I ask students to put a twist on this. They have reader's choice selections. These are chapter books, novels that they read in addition to the required reading list during the school year. They get to pick out the book. It has to meet certain requirements, but then once they pick out this final reader's choice selection for the year, they do a propaganda project on that, and they are required to do two propaganda pieces, one from opposite sides of the same issue that is represented or touched on in the book of their choosing. So that is the project, and I leave this recording here not just so my current students can refer back to this as needed so that they can have any clarification they like about the instructions, but this may also prove useful in future years with other classes. Let's plug in. Things to do uh, with y'all today. Um, item number one, um, we've got early release on Friday in honor of Good Friday, since that tends to be a big travel weekend for people with family or uh, people going to church on Friday night in honor of Good Friday. Uh, Lighthouse, uh, typically this is like the one, one time of the year that is not, hey, we've got crazy weather coming where we do early release. And so um, we've got uh, schedules posted around the school. They've been emailed out. Uh, so all the classes are shaved back by about 15 minutes. This class also will be a little shorter than usual on Friday. And the upshot is that instead of the last class wrapping up at 345, the last class of the day will wrap up at 230 on Friday. So if this is your only class of the day, um, or if your classes uh, end earlier than 345, then you get out even earlier. So uh, just FYI, pay attention to those schedules and um, just, you know, just be aware that whatever you're doing in class on Friday, you'll have a little less time than usual in which to do it. Now, um, what you have there in front of you, which I had Darren hand out at the beginning of the class, um, is the thing that we're going to spend the first half of class talking about today. Um, if you've been in any of the previous modern, uh, not modernity, but uh, humanities classes, then you know that every humanities class ends with an end of year project, what we like to call the 40 hour project. Last year it did not happen to speak of in American history because COVID scrambled everything. Um, but you know that at the end of uh, Antiquities and Christendom, there are these significant projects. Modernity is no exception to that. Um, I've actually got it broken up into two pieces instead of having one big humongous 40-hour project. There are going to be two pieces to this. One I've already mentioned, which is the notebook check at the end of school, which for seniors, that's the entire notebook. For the rest of you, this is where I'm asking you to pull together basically like a portfolio of work that you have done over the course of the school year. So if you're keeping current with your homework and you've kept everything filed away where it's supposed to be in your notebook, this should be as simple as pulling out the pieces I tell you to pull out and then there would be like one uh, uh, like additional something that I'll have you write and put in as the top page and and that's that part of the project so in the grand scheme of things if you've done all the work and you've kept it all filed away properly in your notebook you've already got the bulk of that part finished so the other project part that goes into the end of modernity is what you're holding there in your hand 
And there are several handouts that go through this, but I will walk you through every single step of this. I'm recording this. I will put this on the podcast so that if anybody needs to go back through and re-listen to any of the instructions, like you've got it. And it's, it's there. And I just, I really want to make sure that everybody understands every step of this. It looks overwhelming, especially if you've seen the, the paper stacked on the back table there. But honestly, it's, all of it is geared toward making sure that everything is clear so that you actually have fun with this. Because this is in connection with your Reader's Choice book. And um, as of now, I have a Reader's Choice selection from everyone. And I am really excited about the lineup. Um, because I, I'm looking at the list here in front of me, and I've got Fahrenheit 451, White Fang, The Daybreakers, The Picture of Dorian Gray, Old Man in the Sea, Call of the Wild, Catcher in the Rye, 1984, Grapes of Wrath, Christie, Black Beauty, Peter Pan, The Screwtape Letters, The Great Gatsby, The Invisible Man, and Silverlock. And that is a phenomenal lineup of books. I'm really excited to see Number one, what y'all think of these books that you've picked out. Some of you, I think, have an idea of what you're getting yourself into, although I should point out uh, that uh, books like um, Peter Pan is, is like the big one, that one and the Alice in Wonderland, Alice Through the Looking Glass books, they are not at all like the Disney animated versions of those books. The books are actually... Um, more complex, they're grittier, they're darker. Um, and a lot of these books, even if you think you know the gist of the book going into it, I think you'll be surprised. I think for the most part, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, so these are the books that you selected. Now, when it comes to modernity, a propaganda pro uh, project sort of, you know, almost goes without saying because so much of what we talk about in the 20th uh, century especially, and of course, even in our own time, like you have to take into account propaganda. How do we persuade the audience, the public, with posters and movies and memes and you know just advertisements, commercials? Uh, there's this whole psychology behind advertising and presenting visual media to influence and to sway public opinion. Well. Typically, where we do the propaganda project is during World War I or World War II because those are the two wars in which propaganda was used most effectively. And we've looked at some of that before. Remember the, you know, mothers protect your children or mothers fight for your children. And we talked about the four elements that um, every piece of propaganda, true propaganda has, you know, the, the simplicity and the repetition and the emotional appeal and all of that. Well, this time, instead of really driving home again, the, the sort of the dark murkiness that comes with both of these wars, I thought, you know, we'll change it up. Instead of doing it on a war or on some big controversial issue out there nowadays, I'll let you do this from your Reader's Choice book. Now, you may not have had a chance to start reading your book yet. You may not even have a copy of your book yet. That is fine. That is why I'm giving you this much advance notice on the project. Uh, it is not due until when? April 27th. So you basically have a month to think about this, have this sort of running in your back, at the back of your head as you're reading your book. And it also means that your one assignment for spring break is to just read your book. You're, really, you have two books to read. You have your Reader's Choice book and you have To Kill a Mockingbird, okay? So as far as anything you need to do for my class over spring break, read. That is it. No written homework, no, you know, ism journals, no film analysis sheets, none of that. Just read. It is a perfect time to get caught up on the reading, especially if it's nice out or if you're uh, lucky enough to go and be on a beach somewhere or, you know, camping out in a hammock. Just kick back and read. Um, just a little bit each day and you should be able to knock out your reading fairly easily, and even if you don't get finished during spring break, 
if you've got a good chunk of it out of the way, that will relieve a lot of the pressure going into that uh, the week after spring break. Because again, like I keep telling you, right now, the end of school looks a long way off. You get to the other side of spring break and all of a sudden it's like, oh, April's almost half over and reviews for exams are in three weeks. You know, it, it's that kind of pressure. You know, you've been through it before. It always looks more distant until you get to the other side of spring break and then you realize that there's just like no wiggle room for procrastination anymore. So um, what I've given you here is the overview sheet and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk you through this one. Okay, and I want you to ask questions as we go along. Some questions I might tell you, hold on, I've got a handout for that, but I, I want to hear from you as you have questions. So th this should be the one time where I don't have all of you just sitting there silently nodding at me. We get it, Miss Goff, because then I, I always get really nervous when nobody asks questions because then that's when my phone blows up later with question is like, I actually gave you the handouts for that. I put in the email. I told y'all that in class just yesterday. So, so please ask questions because I want to make sure that everybody's, um, you know, jiving with this one. Okay, so in that first paragraph there, it tells you that you're going to select one issue raised by your reader's choice book and then make two opposing pieces of propaganda from that. This can be a poster, a brochure, or a video. If you select a video, there's a minimum length and other requirements that must be followed. If you choose that, see me. I, I didn't put anything about that or the brochure in this because honestly, if you're thinking in terms of economy, it's like how much emotional energy do I have for this? How much time do I have for this? Honestly, the easiest thing would probably be the poster. I'm just gonna go ahead and put that out there. But if anybody just has a burning desire to try out their YouTuber skills and try to do a video or something like that's an option. But um, the, the most efficient one to handle this is probably the poster. So just to get yourself in, in the brain space, you would put your Reader's Choice book title there. This is just for your information. And then underneath that, it says, know your central issue, pick one. So as you are reading your books, you're, you're gonna be thinking, okay, so what's the main point of this one? So, uh, and I can tell you the, what's probably the central issue for every single one of these books just by looking at the titles. Now, I, I also have the advantage in that I have read most of these. Um, I, I think maybe there's three on this list that I have not read. Uh, so, uh, I can guarantee you that the core issue of your book is on this list. You've got law and law, lawness, Laws and lawlessness, entrepreneurship. What's entrepreneurship? Uh, uh, your own job. Yeah, like you have your own business. You're you're going out there. You're putting yourself out there and building your business up from scratch. Humanitarianism. We've talked a lot about that. Ism. Obedience to the state. That is a given for uh, Fahrenheit 451 in 1984. Like that's. That's almost a given, although Fahrenheit 451 would also be censorship because that is the book that revolves around the firemen who do not, they don't go and put out fires, they go out and create fires. They're going out and burning books, okay? So again, like we've talked about with, say, the film analysis sheets, you're going to have a couple of different things going on and you're going to have to figure out which one's the biggie. Uh, so we've got... Uh, uh, war versus pacifism, pacifism, sanctity of life, activism, child safety and wellness, quick wealth, environmentalism, capitalism, civil rights, hedonism, what's hedonism? Anybody know that one? Okay, that's the, um, I want it and I want it now, I, I live for pleasure, like that is, that is the core of my existence, is just to satisfy the desires of the flesh. And uh, that hits at the core of the picture of Dorian Gray in particular. Um, civic responsibility, stoicism. What's stoicism? Y'all know that one? 
We've talked about that one, but it's been a while. Yeah, not really showing emotion. I, I'm strong. I'm brave. Nothing gets to me. Um, I don't know if you can make a case for the entire book, but the character of Peter Pan would be stoicism. Okay. Uh, Dead versus poverty. Animal cruelty. So I've got three or four books where the book centers on or is from the point of view of the animal. That would be Black Beauty, Call of the Wild, and White Fang. Um, Old Man in the Sea would also, it, it's very animal-centric because it's about the old man and the sea and the big fish that he's trying to reel in. Uh, that's huge and like drags him out to sea. So with those, animal cu cruelty would be an easy one, especially for the Jack London books uh, because uh, the animal cruelty definitely comes into play with both of those. And I think it also comes into play, at least briefly, in Black Beauty. Uh, then Thrill of the Hunt, Utilitarianism, Justice versus Punishment, uh, Justice and Punishment, Survivalism, Mental Health, and Altruism. And Altruism is just that idealist, you know, pie in the sky, you know, kind of, you know, everything's coming up roses in an ideal world. I'm, you know, I'm going to set up my utopia. You know, th this kind of thing. So your central issue of your book is somewhere on that list. Um, in fact, just with that little bit of explanation, you may have already figured out what that one is. I may have actually told you what that one is for your book. So see, this, this is not rocket scientist. This is slowing down long enough to really comprehend the question and being able to lock it down in terms of your book. Uh, then know your audience. So I told you that um, you need to make two pieces of propaganda. They will be from opposite sides of this issue. Okay? So you're going to pick two audiences that you're going to be pitching your, uh, uh, your propaganda toward. So if I'm taking... Say, uh, let's see, what's, what's one that I haven't um, mentioned yet? Okay, Grapes of Wrath. This is a book that's essentially about the struggles of migrant farm workers. It was published in 1939, so this is a Great Depression era book about migrant farmers and people who are nomads trying to make ends meet by traveling to where, uh, you, know, you know, hired day wage laborers and farms you know, uh, wherever that need is. So if I'm going to promote or, or, or do propaganda for, hey, we need these migrant workers, you know, you, you can earn money, you can do this, this will be good for your family, exciting opportunities, come see us in California, then I might, uh, in my group A, uh, target local farmers because I'm trying to get farmers to, to come into uh, come on board with this um, but then I might on the other side well actually at the group B that would actually be the idealist adventurers it's like the hey come see us you know quick money seasonal we need people and then on the other side it might be local farmers of like you know uh, don't hire migrant workers like you know, th this is going to steal uh, jobs from local people. The unemployment is high enough in this area. You need to hire local people. Don't hire these migrants that are setting up shanty towns around the area. They don't belong here. They need to go home. And, and so you're, you're going to take this issue and you're going to work both sides. Or say, um, to go for an example, and, and I have a full example using Anne of Green Gables that I will show you here in a minute. Um, but just to use something else off of the list, uh, let's see. Um, okay, the book Christie is about a girl in 1912 who is recruited by missionaries to go and be a school teacher in a remote, isolated corner of Appalachia in 1912. And so... Uh, what you might do is on the one side, 
you've got the recruitment poster like come teach with us in Appalachia, you know, you know, spread the gospel to people who have never heard it. And, and it's like a, a missional recruitment poster on one side. And then on the other, you would have um, the warning uh, mothers is like, don't let your daughters go away. You know, don't, don't trust, you know, uh, people who, who try to recruit teenage girls into, uh, you know, uh, going afield. This is no place for a young lady. You know, Appalachia is dangerous. These people are backwards. They have feuds. Remember the Hatfields and the McCoys. And, and, and so, again, you have both sides at play. When, when the core issue of Christie is it, really about the, the, the um, lessons in humility and mercy. And so you've got one that's telling you to be on your guard against showing mercy to these people versus the other side saying, yes, we need you to go and show mercy to these people. These people need help. We need you. Please come help. So, so you, you get the idea. So you're picking a group from each side. So um, again, if you're going to pick an audience from each category there, that would probably on from group A, that would be the stay at home moms. Um, and on the other side, you know, the idealist adventurers, maybe, or educational professionals, maybe. So you've got some options. And just because I'm spitballing ideas on some of these specific books doesn't mean that you have to go exactly by what I just said. But this is like the, the armature. Like this is supposed to be what gets, gets your brain going here. And then it says, pick a visual medium, check one. And again, you've, get a little, you've got a little bit of um, information there about the poster versus the brochure versus the video. Now, um, I told you here that uh, the poster has to be at least eight and a half by 11. Y'all, that is a blank sheet of typing paper. And I even tell you that if you use this side to be sure that you back it, on cardboard or something so you get some durability and maybe a little bit of um you know a, a nice framing border i would not if you're if you do the poster though i would not go any larger than half of a poster board let me grab something off the wall here i meant to do this before class Sarah did this poster in art when we were working on uh, movie posters. They had to come up with their own movie poster design. And aside from, well, this is about Loki. It's not about any of these core issues here. She made up a, a, a movie poster for a potential uh, Loki uh, movie. Um, but this is framed up like you would for the propaganda poster. It's very obvious what she's talking about. Um, she's used the rule of thirds. She's used some, some other techniques that I'm, again, I will hand you stuff to, to help you with this, but this is half of a sheet of poster board. So what I would recommend is that you do not go any smaller than this and no larger than this, because especially if everybody does do posters, and I go to display it, that's like a lot of posters and I wanna make sure there's room to show everybody's hard work. Okay, so no smaller than this, no larger than this, okay? And of course, you know, Sarah's stuff is like, let me make sure I send that home with her. It's been up there for a while. Okay. So, uh, so you've got your details there. And again, I'm just defaulting to explaining about posters whenever the visual part comes up. If you want to do one of the others, come and see me and I will give you more feedback on that. So if you go to the back of that page, oops, let me plug in. Then you get a little more information. You must use the same propaganda media for both audiences. That means if you do a poster for one, you do a poster for the other. So don't complicate your life by trying to do a poster for one and a video for the other. Like just use the KISS method. Keep it simple, sweetheart. Just same media presentation for both sides. And you're going to use some different propaganda techniques. Now, a couple of these 
should be pretty obvious. You know what framing and rule of thirds are because I've been harping on that since first semester. You know what name calling is. You know what half-truths or outright lies are. Humor and caricatures, that works. Patriotic appeals, do it for Uncle Sam. You know, that kind of thing. Emotional appeal, you know, that's the, you know, mothers protect your children. Glittering generalities. Now, that's the um, you know, experts say that this will cure cancer. Well, what experts? Who? Who are you talking about? How recent is this study that you're referencing here? Really cures cancer? Because if we had a cure for cancer out there, then we would have heard about it a long time ago. Glittering generalities. Um, evocative visual symbols. So what is the big poster from World War II with the caption, we can do it, and it's like this one picture. Rosie the uh, okay, Rosie the Riveter, and you've got the the girl in the you know the shirt and the overall. She's got her hair tied up in a bandana, and she's you know doing the the the, the, the show my muscles. She's flexing for the for the poster. We can do it. It's showing like the strength and the patriotic duty of women to step into the place of men and do a man's work while the men are overseas fighting. And so that is an evocative visual symbol. It doesn't have to be as complex as trying to do a human portrait, which I know some of you, like, you know, drawing is not your wheelhouse. It can be very symbolic. You can use symbols. Um, again, I will show you some examples here in a minute. Demonization, what did, with a word like demonization, what do you think that means? To demonize something. Make it uh, not as good as evil. Yeah, make it out to be evil, make it out to be inferior or, or nasty, okay? So, so you're taking the other side and you're demonizing, you know, people who are cruel to animals. Um, you are demonizing, you know, people who would try to um, persuade daughters to leave home at a tender age and go teach in a godforsaken place like Appalachia, okay? You're demonizing the other side, okay? So these are techniques, you would use three, okay? This is actually not as hard as you would think. Again, hang in there, I've got examples of all of this. Then there's a written portion. It's sort of an ism paper, but basically what I'm asking you to do are three paragraphs and typed the usual method. You know how that goes. One paragraph will explain how you targeted audience A. The second paragraph will explain how you targeted audience B. And then the third is just your observations, what you learned from this exercise because I can guarantee you what's going to happen is that once you sit down to actually do the posters and set up your propaganda, one side is going to be a lot easier than the other. And one side is going to feel a lot ickier than the other. So if you have a book that uh, the central issue is animal cruelty, it's going to be really easy and even vindicating to do the part um, against animal cruelty. But how do you do propaganda so that you convince people to not feel bad about mistreating horses or for staging dog fights in which the dogs are treated abominably? Like, how, how do you even live with yourself for that? But if, if you're thinking with a propaganda mindset and there's, you know, the lies and half-truths, that is one of the propaganda techniques. You can do that, but it's, it's gonna be a little bit skin crawly the whole time you do that. The screw tape letters is another one that's going to be um, really interesting to do this because it's going to be very easy to do the side of be on your guard against the temptations of this world, but doing propaganda for how to tempt and derail Christians in this world, that's going to be the icky side. So, so you're, you're going to have to keep a clear brain in this because this, this assignment does require you to do it from both angles. Um, 
And then of course there's some other things and a lot of this is just sort of duh. I mean, obviously don't use profanity or incendiary language of any kind. I have left that in there in the assignment requirements because years ago when I did American history, the, um, the end of your project um, in American history, and actually we did do it last year, it was just very modified because of COVID, is the one act play. And um, one of the my groups, and th this is like, we, we were still in the old missionary house in front of King's Chapel, which is like, like that house got torn down a few years ago. Um, we were still in that house and one of the uh, teens picked a scene from Huckleberry Finn and the girl who was portraying Huck kept dropping the N-word like every so often. And when we talked about it later, her case was like, well, it was in the book. I was using it from the book. But at the same time, it's one of those like you read the original book and there's a reason why we read the unabridged Huck Finn in American history. But we draw the line at just dropping the N-word in you know, in a skit or a class presentation, like that kind of thing. So that's why that's in there. I don't expect anybody here to, you know, just start dropping that in any of your school presentations. I think you know better, but that's why that rule is in there. And then of course, you know, watch your grammar, watch your spelling. Uh, the one thing you don't want to do, if at all possible, is to have this gorgeous poster and then realize that you left, you know, the, the letter out of you know the letter r out of cruelty you know that that just sort of is kind of jarring um but notice here it says you must attach the synopsis sheet and the grading rubric together i will hand those out to you next and hand it in when you present in class failure to do so is that's like that's half your grade basically um it should be neat logical creative um, posters and brochures may be hand-drawn or created by computer, but they must be original to you. And that includes the slogan. So like even, um, well, and it says here, you can use a photo from the internet as inspiration, but don't just flat out copy it. Now we're charging. Okay, and then, so you can use a photo as inspiration, but don't just copy the photo or just like cut out photos and just take them to a poster board. Um, and even like uh, slogans, you can start with something as an inspiration, but you don't want to just use what's already circulating out there. Like just do it, go West young man, your country needs you. So you can do variations on all of those, but you don't want to just appropriate the Nike just do it slogan and you know do that okay so that is a lot of verbiage and you may be already smoking at the ears I don't know talk to me what questions do you have so far besides when is Miss Goff going to shut up <laughs> uh, I know it's a lot did I see a hand up um, are the only audiences if we come up with a valid audience on our own, could we mention that and get it approved for you? Yes, yes, okay. absolutely you may. Um, because, like I said, I've read most of these books, but I have not read all of them. And a couple of them, like, I have read Grapes of Wrath before, but I was in the 10th grade the last time I read it. Like, I, I, I remember it decently, but I do not have that sharp recollection as if I just read it last week. So yes, absolutely. If if you if you think you have another angle, absolutely. Like I tried to cover as many bases as possible to take as much of the stress out of this as possible. But if you see another angle on this, just come bounce it off of me, and we'll we'll work it out. And it's like if I have been like I've been bouncing around all of these books and sort of spitballing ideas. If I, if by the time we get to the end of this class, if I have not mentioned your book and you don't know, you know, what angle you're supposed to take with this, come see me. We'll hash it out together. Yes. So like for me with 1984, could I technically do for group A for an audience uh, government officials? Yes. 
So you could do government officials on the one side, and then you can do the every man on the street for the other. Neither of those are specifically mentioned here, but for that book, that makes perfect sense because when you're dropped into the book, you know, the control of the state is absolute, and it continues for the entire book. And, and so there, there's never this Hunger Games moment where everybody rises up and, you know, it's just by the time you get to the end of the book, the state is still there. That's, that's part of the, the tragedy of that book. So, yes. So you can absolutely pull that out. Yes. Does the same thing apply to propaganda techniques as why I have one that seems to jump out? Okay. Like if, if you see one or, or know of one that doesn't, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I... I meant to put that on there too, but I, I got to a point with all of these handouts, I'm like, yeah, I'm drawing a line here because th th this is going to make their brains go a little bit ouchy until all of this really percolates in. Okay, yes, yeah, Derek. Uh, for our audience, do you, is it necessarily one uh, that it appeals to in the book? Or, I mean, because I'm a little confused on what you want us to do with that. Well, it could be a, a groups represented in the book or you could be um, uh, targeting a, a group that would maybe necessarily like be familiar with the story. Again, like the whole animal cruelty thing. Or when we're talking about Jack London, there's a lot. Um, and even in like Call of the Wild and White Fang, there's still mention of like the dog sledding. Like the dog sledding has been a controversial uh, subject over the years about whether or not that qualifies as animal cruelty, um, whereas other groups are saying, no, this is part of the culture of living within the Arctic Circle. Like, you know, these are huskies. These are, you know, these dogs are bred for this sort of thing. You know, we, we, we're not hooking up chihuahuas to dog sleds. You know, we're, we're doing this with dogs that just sort of live for this kind of chase and they live for this kind of exercise. And, you know, we're very humane in how we treat them. We never drive them for longer than so many miles a day. And, you know, if the weather conditions are like this, that, and the other, then we don't drive them at all. And so, you know, if, if you didn't want to do animal cruelty per se, you could go for, you know, pro-dog sled, anti-dog sled. Like, because that, that's the thing. Of course, you know, again, it depends too on which book you're reading. And once you get in the book, something else may jump out at you, and it's like, oh, it's neither of these things. I, I need to, you know, I, I should focus on this other thing over here. What you're getting here, you're getting two sheets that you will be handing in to me at different times. The blue one, you will hand in a couple weeks before your presentation. The other one you will give to me the day of the presentation. And if you're zooming um, and you're looking at the stuff that I handed uh, or sent to you via email, these are called the Propaganda Rubric and Grading Sheet. This was attached to the first email. And the other one is called the Propaganda Project Student Outline. Here we go. So the idea here with the, let's look at the blue one. Um, and of course, if you're uh, zooming from home, yours isn't blue. <clears throat> but uh, the Propaganda Project student outline, it says date due April 16th. This is where you just summarize what you're going to do with your project. So everything that I just talked through. Your Reader's Choice book is blah, blah, blah. My book central issue is la, la, la. You circle the two audiences that you're targeting, or if you've come up with different audiences, then you would just write those in. You check off which of those visual media you're going to do, and then you're going to circle the propaganda techniques that you plan to use. And then I want you to just initial this little reminder at the end that you also have to have the typed page and that all of this has to be due on the day of the presentation. Um, it, it's, I, I, I don't know what it is uh, about this year, but this year I had this sort of like rolling kind of cloud of late assignments that sometimes get turned in later that day or a couple days later. I've had them come in 
you know, as late as three or four weeks late. And so, you know, this is just a reminder, especially since this is getting up to the end of the school year, that if it's not presented and ready on the day assigned, like you're at, by the time we get to April 27th, we're almost out of options for you to do a makeup presentation for class. Like we can do it, but we're really limited on time. So we want to save those sorts of delays for people who have one of those, um, you know, can't help it moments, you know, sick, you know, had to go out of town for a funeral or just, you know, whatever, like those kinds of things. Okay. So again, you don't have to do anything with this right now. What I would recommend with all of these is as, as we finish with them, uh, they've all got holes punched is to put them in the order that you've received them, put them in the visual media uh, section of your notebook, because that's what this is. It's a visual media project, okay? So that page is basically a small summary of what I just spent the last 30 minutes explaining to you, and you're just, this is your summary of what you plan to do with your project, that you will be giving me prior to, uh, about two weeks prior to your actual presentation. The next one is the page that you will have partially filled out and you will turn in with your three paragraph explanation and, and your posters when you present on the 27th. So when you come in on the 27th, you will have your posters and you will have your three paragraphs explaining just the nuts and bolts of, of how and why you did what you did with your project. And then this piece of paper. And uh, if you're looking at it on Zoom, these are two separate sheets of paper. If you're in person, you've got the front to back copy. So the front, Part, you would fill in the top the selected book author and year of publication this would be the book uh, that year that it was originally published sometimes when you search out the publication dates of these things online they will tell you the the year of the most recent edition they will say like 2018 um, none of these were published in 2018 okay um, there's a lot of murkiness when it comes to the uh, publication year of Peter Pan. That is because Peter Pan began as a stage play and then was made into a book instead of the reverse. Usually it's the reverse that's true. And so if you look at the origin of Peter Pan, you will get uh, years as early as 1904. What you want is 1911. That was the year that the book was originally published, okay? Then your theme central issue, your intended audience A, B, and your selected propaganda tool. So basically, this is a repeat of what you put on your blue sheet. You're just condensing it a little bit more so that whenever I go through to grade, I've got it all right there. And then what you see there on the, the front and the back is like, this is the kind of stuff I'm looking for. This is the grading rubric. This is what I'm looking for in terms of your presentation. So on the front page, it talks about being on time, taking it seriously. Like these are givens in any assignment. So none of that should be surprised. Student is knowledgeable about their book and clearly indicate that they have read it. That's always a big plus with these things. Um, not coming with incomplete materials. Um, you know, central theme and issue, like, again, this is just a different format, the way I've broken things down for you to know what it is I'm looking for. And it is the back that will tell you what separates the A projects from the B projects from the C projects. So if you look on the back, there's something called a rubric. It's a big table. And what you want to shoot for is to be in the top row in all of those categories you know, objective and integrity. Integrity means you did your own work, no plagiarizing. Tools, did you use all the different components? Organization and layout, images and creativity, the paragraphs themselves, 
and then the in-class presentation. And when we get to the in-class presentation, I, I'm not looking for a commercial or anything. I'm just looking for you to stand up and to explain to your fellow classmates just a nutshell about what the book was about and then why you did what you did with the propaganda poster, okay? Um, so, so this is the grading rubric for that. All right, again, I have thrown lots of verbiage at you. What are your questions about this? Come on, ask me stuff. I don't have a question, I'm just saying like, Okay. Well, I, I was I, I was hoping for that because it's you know even though I'm I'm requiring a little bit of writing and there's like a couple of extra steps with like turning in the outline sheet and that sort of thing. I'm hoping this is something that will be fun to do. It'll be an easy project grade. We'll have a lot of fun doing it, and it also allows everybody to play the devil's advocate on something. Y'all know what the devil's advocate is. Have y'all ever heard that thrown out in conversation? Okay, so if we're talking about animal cruelty and I say, well, let me play the devil's advocate, which side am I going to be arguing for? The person who's that. Yeah, for treating animals the way I see fit because utilitarianism is like they're there and they're supposed to serve mankind. And so what does it matter if we have dog fights? It's good clean entertainment. And that's playing the devil's advocate because if you really think it through, animal cruelty on the level that we see, I, and I forget, I think it's in uh, Call of the Wild, where I think it comes into both of those Jack London books, Call of the Wild and White Fang. Um, but, you know, it, it's... It's so obviously brutal that, you know, who's going to argue for this? But for the sake of the propaganda project, you have to play the devil's advocate. You have to play the other side, whichever one is the one that's just kind of icky or uncomfortable. Um, what else about this? Oh, this is when y'all scare me when y'all don't ask anything. Uh, yes. We have a very intense idea for our poster. Can we bring in, like, when we start sketching it out, bring it in early so that we can say whether or not it's okay? Yes. Like, if you have, like, a like a sketch, like a mock-up or, like, a rough draft kind of thing, yes, absolutely. I'll be glad to look at that. Especially since, and, and I, I actually meant to uh, mention this earlier, with all of the books that y'all have picked for uh, your reader's choice, um, in terms of what's at the backbone of all of these books, all of these books fall into one of these three car uh, categories. So the picture of Dorian Gray would fall in the moral turpitude <laughs> part of things, even though the book was written in the Victorian era. Um, and it, it's, you know, it was written by Oscar Wilde, who was a, uh, a high profile gay man. Um, at the time, and there is actually a couple of gay characters in that book, um, w w which is, you know, was a very scandalous for the time. Um, but even with that kind of background and context, he still is rather discreet in how he describes Dorian Gray's descent, but it's also, you know, if you read between the lines, it's also pretty clear what sort of um, vices he falls into as he crashes and burns toward that ending where, um, you know, the, the sin does find him out and he gets his comeuppance. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so if you, if you know that you're, with, with any of these categories, um, that your, uh, your central theme or issue falls into sensitive areas, um, or controversial areas, like, yes, please, please double check with me, bring a mock-up, shoot me an email, um, however uh, you want to do that. So, uh, but basically, um, if you have Fahrenheit 451, Dorian Gray, Catcher in the Rye, 1984, Grapes of Wrath, Screw Tape Letters, Great Gatsby, or The Invisible Man, you're probably, Invisible Man is a little bit... Actually, Invisible Man might actually be here because it's under like uh, justice and um, courage and uh, being on the wrong side of the law. 
Uh, but the rest of those that I just read out, they would fall into this. They either deal with a totalitarian society or like the vices that plague human nature. And then if you have White Fang, Old Man in the Sea, Call of the Wild, or Black Beauty, you're in this category. It's either man versus nature or the, the way of nature. So again, going back to Jack London and Call of the Wild, you have the domestic dog who goes wild. In White Fang, you have the wild wolf who by the end, end of the book becomes a domesticated pet. Um, and, and you see the journey, but they do opposite journeys. One from, you know, the hearth to the wilderness, one from the wilderness to the hearth. Uh, and then Old Man the Sea is uh, man versus nature. And then Black Beauty is um, eh, probably man versus nature, but it's not so much of a struggle. It, it's more about friendship and loyalty. But not everybody in the book is kindly toward the horse, so you still get some of the tension there. And then if you have the Daybreakers, Christy, Peter Pan, or Silverlock, you're on the virtue end of things. Uh, your book is dealing uh, with issues of, of one or more of these. Law, justice, humility, courage, trust, mercy, and or just the stories that bind us together, like where as a culture, we get our identity, which would actually be more Silverlock. Um, okay. I've got a little bit of time before the break. Let me hand out the sample so that you have a couple of handwritten uh, examples of how to do this. Notice that one of them is front side only, and that is the sample of the student outline that you will turn in on the 16th. The other one is the back-to-back -back copy that is a, a sample of the rubric and grading sheet that you will bring with you on the 27th. So they both say sample on the front. Wait, what? Yeah? Yeah, one of them is, yeah, I don't know why this one is in blue. She got a blue one. Oh, okay. Well, if you don't mind being blue. Having blue. And oh, I might have actually have punched holes on the wrong side of, yeah. of some of these. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um so you want to look at the sample that uh, of the student outline that's due on the 16th. And you see how I filled this out. I put my book title, Anne of Green Gables, the author, and the year that it was originally published. And for the central issue for this book, I chose child safety and wellness because Anne is an orphan. And um, that's, that's the one that I chose for my uh, potential project. And then for the two audiences, I chose to uh, pitch from one side to the stay-at-home moms. Um, in other words, I'm targeting people like Rachel Lind and Mrs. Barry, Diana's mom, okay? Because both of those women in the beginning, remember how set they were, like they had very preconceived notions about Anne because she was an orphan. And of course, once Anne made the big mistake with the, um, with the cordial and, and got uh, Diana drunk, then the Barrys were just like, oh, like this is a horrible person. Why did we ever let our daughter play with her? And then on the other side, the idealist adventures. Now, in the grand scheme of things, Anne is the idealist adventures, adventurer, but who is the one who originally takes a chance on Anne? Uh, oh, Matthew. Matthew, yeah. Matthew, and then, of course, uh, Marilla. You know, maybe neither of them really fall into the category of an idealist adventure, but these were the people who were willing to take on Anne because you can be an idealist adventurer and never actually leave your hometown. It's not about going on the big journey there back again, but it's willing to take a chance on an opportunity or a person that everybody else is just sort of scuffling by, like adopting an orphan like Anne Shirley. Yes. So this is what I'm going to do. So on the, what I'm thinking in my head is that I'm gonna have one set of propaganda that is pitched toward 
uh, Rachel Lind and the Berries, at least how things were at the beginning of the book. And then on the other side, I am pitching to, say, Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert. And then I've chosen the poster. Ta-da! And then down at the bottom, I've decided on three things. From, uh, I, I've decided on emotional appeal, demonization, and framing slash rule of thirds. Now, framing slash rule of thirds should apply to every single poster out there because if it's going to be a visual, you want to frame it up well, you want it to catch people's eyes, um, you, you want it to grab their attention. So the framing slash rule of thirds should go almost without saying. And that's something that can be used with either one. Now, um, with the other two that I've got circled, these are on two very different sides. The emotional appeal, this is me appealing to them about, you know, you know, save the children, you know, you know, become a foster parent, adopt an orphan child, you know, this sort of thing. And on the other side, it's the demonization. It's like, mothers, have you seen these, these orphan children? They are healings. They are not to be trusted. Keep your children away from them. Okay, but notice that if I do it that way, that only gives me two for either side. So I've put a star down here by evocative visual symbols. Again, it's supposed to be a poster anyway, so there's going to be some kind of symbology. So you might have, you know, the crocodile and the clock from Peter Pan. Um, if yours is very animal-centric, whether it's a horse or a dog or a wolf or a gigantic fish, then that could be your symbol. Um, if it's, you know, Christy, it could be like the, the, the range of mountains, the, of the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, you can use the mountains as symbology. Um, for Fahrenheit 451, what would be an obvious symbol there? Books. Yeah, books and fire. Okay, because remember the firemen in that book burn the books. They don't put out the fires, they start the fires. Uh, so, so there's easy symbols that, um, you know, that you can pull from there. So what I would encourage you to do just to sort of drive this home is take your own pen or pencil and go ahead and circle evocative visual symbols. So that gives you four things circled, but that way you know you're going to have at least three on each poster, okay? Because you don't want to get down to it and go, well, framing rule of thirds and demonization, uh, I'm not really using any of these others. You, you don't want it to just be two, you want to try to pull in three. You need to pull in three. So the framing rule of thirds and the evocative visual symbols, like those should go almost without saying, and then you would have at least one of these others. You can use more than one. I, I'm sorry, you can use more than three on a given poster. But you also don't want it to get too cluttered or too over the top incendiary either. So fine balance there. And then you notice that I put my initials there, reminding myself that I know I have to have all this ready on the day of class. So that's what, that's a sample of how you will fill out the outline that you turn in on the 16th. Go to the other sample page, the one that's front and back. This is the one that you will turn in to me at the beginning of class on the 27th. And I have filled out the top part that you are responsible for, but I have also given a bunch of other annotations on this so that you can know where all the points fall with this. So at the top, I've listed Anne of Green Gables, you know, and I just put the last name of the author, the publication date, child safety and wellness, audience A, stay at home moms, audience B, idealist adventurers, and then selective propaganda tools used, emotional appeal, demonization, framing rule of thirds, and then um, I've might even add a fourth line there so that I can put my other. So that way it's clear that even though demonization only really works with one side, um, then I, I still have three for either poster, okay? And then I've given you just some other additional notes.
that wraps it up for this episode. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.